You're listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Saturday night service in Brea, California. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. Great series. It's, uh, the past messages are on our podcast on iTunes. Uh, you can also go to our website and download those as well and listen, take a listen. Uh, but I've got something I want to share with you tonight that's very, very practical. One of the things that I love about the Bible, about God's Word, is the practicality of God's Word. Now, you may not know this, but God, the Bible is very practical. Some people look at the Bible as, you know, this, this ancient book of, of stories that are irrelevant for today. Some people look at the Bible and see it as kind of inspiration, but it's more than inspiration. <clears throat> it's more than a book of morals and values. It's a guide on how to live. And that's why we spend time in the Bible. That's why we teach from the Bible. As a matter of fact, when I was a youth pastor, uh, I, I did this acronym. I took the, the word Bible and I put an acronym to it. And it, it actually was popular. I didn't actually come up with this. I read it somewhere. But the Bible, if you could look at it as an acronym, was Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. I don't know if anybody's heard that before. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, I used to tell the kids, that's what the Bible is. It's basic instructions before the year. It's more than just a, a book of stories. It's, it's an instruction manual. Um, it helps us to live on a daily basis. Matter of fact, this is what the Bible says about itself. Take a look what it says in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. It says, all scripture, matter of fact, let's read this together. Ready, begin. All scripture <clears throat> by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Isn't that good? Leave that scripture right there, that last one on the screen. It says, to prepare and to equip us to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That means it's practical. It's practical. And that's actually something that I learned from my dad. Not only my dad, Michael Fellows, but my dad, Gilbert Placencia. Practical guys. They were practical guys that spoke practical things into my life. My dad taught me a good work ethic. He taught me how to work hard and how to, how to finish strong and to finish right. Gil taught me so many of these things as well, taught me how to respond and interact with others respectfully, how to even interact with those in authority over us. So on this Father's Day weekend, I thought it'd be good to share some things that not only did I learn from my dads, but I learned from Daniel, the story that we're studying found in the Old Testament book of Daniel about the life of Daniel. This is what I've learned, and it's very practical. Let me bring you up to speed, okay? So last week, we continued on with the story of Daniel, and we saw his first test that he was under called the pressure test. His story is found in the Old Testament. It's the second half of the Old Testament. His story is named, or his book is named after him. It's kind of like an autobiography. And, it, and he, we found out last week, this is what we found out last week, that Daniel, through the test, found out that, that before every blessing you're going to experience, there's always a testing. Remember that last week? If you were here last week, there, before there's a blessing, there's a testing. And he passed the test. And we saw that he was challenged. And the test was he was challenged by the king, the ruling king, Nebuchadnezzar. He was challenged to disobey God's laws. 
He was commanded by Nebuchadnezzar to conform to the standards of popular culture and society. Nebuchadnezzar wanted to completely wash God out of the hearts of Israelite people and wash God's laws out of their minds. He was going to do that. And so he was training it out of them. But Daniel drew a line in the sand and he confronted his authority. He confronted them. He said, I can't go any further. So the question that comes up, it's, it's sort of a continuation of last week. It's the practical side of what Daniel did. And this is the question. What do you do when somebody in authority asks you to violate your conscience? How do you respond? How would you react to do something that you know is wrong or to do something you know would disobey God? What would you do? How would you respond to that? We're living in a day and age where our values, our beliefs, those things that we know are true are being challenged. And we need to know how to appeal to those in authority over us, to be able to advocate for righteousness. We need to know how to make our case and to do it in a way that honors God. And I see when I look around society, I look at some people who call themselves Christians, they're not responding the way Jesus responds. They're going about it the wrong way. They're causing division rather than unity. So I felt called of the Lord as we were going through this season, this series, to look at Scripture, to look at how Daniel responded to his authority and see that as a guide for us. See, there's many examples in the Bible of this very situation where authorities were pressing people to compromise. The story of Esther, she makes an appeal in her story in the Old Testament. Joseph, Old Testament Joseph, he makes an appeal. He advocates with Pharaoh. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament many times had to appeal to the pagan government, the Romans, because he was doing missionary work. He had to appeal to them. And Daniel does that too. He makes an appeal. He advocates. We need to have these skills. We need to know how to do this. Because if you haven't been challenged yet, you will. You will. Every time I read the news, I see it. We're getting closer and closer to a time when just the average person is going to be challenged on their beliefs, on what they believe and know is is true. You may may, uh, have a boss someday that challenges you, or an employer. You may have the government. You may be in a classroom and your teacher challenges you. You need to know how to appeal to that. Parents, (coughs) pardon me, you need to be able to teach your children. Because we're living in a day and age where that's going to happen more and more. And the things that happened to Daniel are things that we're going to be challenged with as well today. The prophet Isaiah said there's coming a time when men will call those things that are right, they'll call it wrong. And those things that are sweet, they're going to call bitter. We're living in a time like that. So if you have your journals with you tonight, pull out your journals. Get ready to take some notes. If you're going, I don't even know what you're talking about. We have journals in the back. It's a place that we take notes because we like to get into God's word and break it down. Tonight, we're going to be learning about how to respond, not 
react. How to respond, not react. That's what we learned from Daniel, and that's what we can learn from Scripture. And I've got five very simple things, because tonight's going to be a short message. Uh, We've got all the dad things that we're doing here, plus we got some fun things outside we want to do and some fun food. But there were five things I wanted to give you, so if you're a note taker, you want to write this down, under responding and not reacting. Here are five simple, practical ways to be able to respond when you're challenged. Number one is this, pray. Pause and pray. Pause and pray. Now, I know that this can sound elementary, and it can sound almost obvious and cliche to pray. But listen, when we're confronted with something that grates against us and grates deeply against us, most people react out of emotion right? They immediately react out of emotion. Or maybe they react from the pain of the past, right? And they'll say things that, well, might make them even in deeper trouble. So the first thing we do is we need to pause and pray and ask God to give you two things, wisdom and courage to be able to stand for righteousness. Wisdom on how to respond and courage to be able to stand up for righteousness. The first thing to do is to pause and pray, and pray specifically for wisdom, because we need wisdom. More than knowledge, more than information, we need wisdom. Wisdom that is insight into the situation, more than the the data that's assessed. Wisdom on the inside of the situation to the heart of the matter. Listen to what it says in James chapter 1, verse 5. It says this, If you need wisdom... How many of you guys raise your hand if you say, I need wisdom every single day? God, thank you, Lord. Well, here it is. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. I love how it says that, our generous God. And he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Oh, I love that. If you're lacking wisdom, ask and you will receive it. God is saying, I'm here. I'm here. I'm available to you. Ask and I'll give you the wisdom that you need. I've been praying this prayer over my daughters since they were born, and it's this. God, give them the wisdom to do the right thing and the courage to do the right thing, even when it's hard. I've been praying those two things over my daughters. I still pray over them. Lord, when when Rachel and Emma go off to college, when they're out late at night and we don't know where they're at, We don't know what's going on. They're working on projects. They're hanging out with friends. They're eating sushi. I pray they don't get food poisoning from that sushi place. Hope they went to the good sushi place, you know, those kind of prayers. But in every one of those kind of prayers, it's always, God, give them the wisdom to do the right thing and the courage to do the right thing, even when it's hard. I pray this prayer for myself. When I'm challenged to compromise my integrity, when I'm tempted, and all of us are tempted to to compromise those things that we know are true, I say, God, give me wisdom to do the right thing and the courage to do the right thing, even though it's hard. Even though it's hard. So when challenged in your beliefs, in your values, in what you know is true, start Pause and pray. Secondly, and this is very, very practical. 
Build a good reputation. Build a good reputation. Now, I'm going to get into something super practical here. Let's look at Daniel. He was respected. He and his buddies were commanded to eat food that was considered wrong by God's commands, right? They were told, eat this food, and they said no. And here's how he responded. Take a look at Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. He responds this way, says, But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to them by the king. So he asked the chief chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. I'm going to talk about that here in just a moment. Verse 9 says, Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. And not affection in the weird kind of way, like, I really think that guy's cute. But an affection like, man, I like this guy. There's something about this guy. I want this guy on my team. Notice it says the chief officer had great respect for Daniel. Check this out. Evidently, even at 15 years old, Daniel stood out because of a good attitude, consistency, and responsibility. The chief of staff already respected him and was willing to listen to him because he respected him, because Daniel was responsible. Here's a gold nugget of wisdom that relates directly to this. It's from Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. You want to write this down. This is so good. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. the book of wisdom says, if you do your job well, leaders will notice and you will serve before kings. Super practical. Something my dad would teach me. If you do your job well, leaders will take notice of this. There have been times where I've asked somebody, hey, would you mind picking that up and would you mind moving that over there? And I come back a little while later and that thing is still there. I take notice of that. There's other times I didn't even say move that thing or set that thing up and it got set up, it got moved. I take notice of that. See, leaders see those things. The Bible says if you do your job well, leaders will take notice and you'll serve before kings. Serving before kings means you're going to get promotions. Not just serving behind the scenes, but serving the kings, serving those in authority. If you do your job well, leaders notice. People with great responsibility, leaders, take notice of those who are responsible. When you do your job well, Christians... Those who say yes to Jesus, those who say that we follow after God's ways should be the ones with the best reputation in the marketplace. We should be the ones that people are going, man, they're so faithful. They do their job so well. They're so consistent. They're on time. They're on time. They show up on time. We should be known as the most responsible, the hardest working, the most trustworthy. If anybody should be the most trustworthy, it should be those who follow Jesus Christ. You go to work, you're a slacker, you're always taking time off, always calling in sick, you use up all that sick time and then you want more. You arrive late, you leave early, you use up office resources. Listen, that's not responsible. 
And when you're not responsible, you're not respected. And listen, when you're not respected, they're not going to listen to you. And as my dad would say, when the rubber meets the road, those in authority are going to discount what you have to say because they're going to look at you and go, yeah, they don't even take their job serious. How can I take them serious? See what I mean? On the other hand, if you're the best employee, you're the most responsible, you're the most consistent, you're the hardest working, guess who they're going to listen to? They're going to listen to you. And that's what we saw with Daniel. They listened to Daniel. As a matter of fact, Daniel would say, hey, I got an idea. Let us eat our food for 10 days. That's what it goes on to say there in chapter one. Let us eat our food for 10 days and let's see what happens. You know what the chief of staff said? Okay. Okay. Because Daniel was respected and he was responsible. And as a result, he was able to make a request. 10 days later, those four guys looking good, healthy, strong. And the chief of staff said, go ahead and keep eating your food. Go ahead and keep eating your food. And so they listened. He was listened to. He advocated for himself. He, he appealed and he was heard. Number three, take a look. Take the humble road. Everybody say that. Take the humble road. Mm-hmm. I learned this early on. Attitude determines altitude. Our attitude determines where we're going to go, how high we're going to go, the promotions we're going to receive. Your acceptance, your success, and your promotion hinges on your attitude. Stinky, confrontational, always complaining, negative, pessimistic attitudes. Guess what? Those people get overlooked. They get ignored. But I want to teach you, I want to show you how to make a case with an authority in school or at work or wherever. I'm teaching you how to not make a demand, but to appeal and to advocate on behalf of righteousness. Once Daniel was told this new law was coming down about food, he doesn't go out there and, you know what, let's get some paint, make some signs. Bad food. Come on, Shadrach, Meshach, Bendigo here. Bad food. Now let's go march around the palace. Bad food, bad food, bad food. Go on the steps of the palace. Do not eat the king's food. That isn't what Daniel did. Did he have a right to do that? Sure he did. He's an Israelite. Everyone knows Israelites don't eat that kind of food. He has a right to stand on the steps of the palace and put up his signs. But instead... He chooses the humble route. He goes behind the scenes. He takes it directly to the authority. And he says, hey, can we work this out? He's not making a demand. He's appealing and advocating for righteousness. Daniel chapter one, verse eight. Take a look at this really quickly. Look what it says. I want all this to read this. Ready, begin. He asked, What? He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. He took the humble stance and he asked, not belligerent. Here's a little nugget of wisdom. A little nugget of wisdom from the book of wisdom, Proverbs 25, six through seven. 
says, when you stand before the king. Now remember, for today, anytime you see the word king, because we don't really have kings nowadays, in the Bible, it's meaning a leader or those in authority. When you stand before someone in authority, your boss, a judge, somebody like that. Let me finish now. When you stand before the king, don't try to impress him and pretend to be important or else you will be sent away in public disgrace. Take the humble route. Person in authority, don't care how much you know. But if you're a person of humility, of character, then they care. Then they care. Here's a little phrase you can write down. It's not on the screen, but I wrote this in my notes. Be humble or you'll stumble. That's tweetable. You can go and hashtag that. Be humble or you'll stumble. Be humble or you'll stumble. Number four. Number four. Don't deceive or manipulate. Don't deceive or manipulate because that is an easy road to start walking down. We all want to be liked. We all want to uh, 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 be accepted. It's in our nature. But listen, integrity is better than popularity. I know popularity, oh, it's a precious, precious little morsel that we love. Social media, how many followers do I have? How many likes do I have? My question is, where's your integrity? When popular culture starts to go against your values and beliefs, there's a temptation to exaggerate or to manipulate information in your favor, in my favor. Well, this is really what I meant to say. This is really where I stand. Listen, in this information age, our integrity can easily be tested with a simple Google search. Is this really what the Bible says? We can't manipulate. We can't exaggerate the word of God. We can't eliminate the truth of God's word. We've got to stand on it and believe it to be true and not compromise. If I lie, I have to be so cautious. I mean, literally, I fact check my messages every single week because we're podcasting and this message goes out there and people listen to it. I have a responsibility to be integrous with God's word. You have a a responsibility to be integrous and be truthful and, and to handle God's word with righteousness and honesty. And listen, God will not honor dishonesty. If you lie, you know what God says? You're on your own. You want to take it into your hands? You're on your own. You don't have my defense any longer. It's like going into a courtroom and saying to your attorney, well, I'm going to say this, that, and the other. And the attorney says, well, that's not the truth. Yeah, yeah, but I, I feel like this is the best way to go. And the attorney goes, okay, you're on your own. And you walk into the courtroom, yeah, I'm on my own, judge. Where's your attorney? I got this. I'm fine. You fool is what you are. You have no defense. When we decide to lie, when we decide to manipulate the information, God says you're on your own. You're on your own. He loves you. He wants to defend you. 
But listen, 2 Corinthians 4.2 says this. He gives us instruction. He says, we reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this to be true. That's how we're supposed to live, right? <clears throat> right? Church, why is Pastor Kelly, why are you driving this home? Excuse me. <coughs> because there's, a, there's an epidemic. We're lacking integrity. I'm sick and tired of men and women of God who are falling because they lack character. We have a world that is desperate for the truth. And when men and women of God who say they know the truth don't live the truth, it gives a black eye on Jesus. And the world, goes, say, the world says, see, I knew it. I knew it. We need to be people of integrity. Integrity above popularity. So don't do office politics. Don't go politicking behind the scenes to get the corner office or the better workspace. Don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. Integrity above popularity. Last one, and we wrap it up. Pause and pray. Wisdom and courage to stand. Build a good reputation because responsibility earns respect. Take the humble road. Attitude determines altitude. Don't deceive or manipulate integrity above popularity. And last this, if you're going to confront, choose the right time, place, and words. Important. Choose the right time, the right place, and words. I'm going to summarize. I'm going to wrap it all up here. We all know that we can and we should speak the truth. But if it's in the wrong setting and if it's at the wrong time, it's like lighting a match and putting it to dynamite. It's going to blow up in your face. It is. There's a right place and a right time with the right words to be able to speak and appeal and advocate. I tell this to parents all the time. The right place to make your appeal is always private. Take a look. I tell this to parents all the time when they're raising their kids. I spent many years, I work with an organization called Homeward. I do parenting seminars, etc. This is one of the number one things I tell parents. Take a look. Don't correct your kids publicly. There's a time and a place for it. Meaning, don't do it in front of people like friends or family members. Do it privately or else, here's what happens. You foster embarrassment. And when the kids are feeling embarrassed, that builds resentment and that fractures the trust you're trying to build in those kids. So bring correction privately. Sometimes it's urgent, right? And let's just talk parenting. Sometimes it's in the restaurant and they're getting all crazy and out of control. What you don't want to do is start beating them down there at the table in front of the waitress. Take them in the back and beat them down. No, that's not, I'm messing with you. But the truth of that matter is, take them to a private, private place and bring correction so that you can focus on the issue and not have the embarrassment out there. It's the same thing with your boss. It's the same thing with a person in authority. Don't do it in front of all the other employees. Boss is going to get ticked at you because you've just embarrassed him or her. 
It's only going to make them mad. Then they're going to resent you and not trust you and not listen to you. So in making a case for yourself, it is always best to do it privately. All right? Okay, that's, that's the place. The time, <laughs> the right time to make your appeal is not after a hard day. Let's just talk husbands and wives right? You want to bring correction to your husband. You really want him to take out the trash because the trash man came and he forgot to take the trash out again. And now we've got trash piling up and now there's maggots growing in it. And now it's all stinky, full of dog poop. Am I making it gross enough for you? The right time to confront your hubby is not when he walks in the door exhausted from work, hungry, he's hangry and tired, and the kids are frustrating him because he just drove over the bicycle that wasn't supposed to be in the driveway. Blam, bloom. The last thing you need to do, honey, is say, you know, you didn't take out the trash again. He ain't gonna listen. It's the wrong time. Timing is so important. And this goes for anyone. Choosing the right time to make your case is critical for receptivity. Choosing the right time. And lastly, the right words. The right words. The right time, the right place, the right words. And here's a few verses to help us remember this about words. Take a look. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says that there's death and life in the power of your tongue. Your words matter. Everybody say words matter. If there's anything I want our church to know, I want this to be something. Our words matter. Our words matter. So choose them carefully. Proverbs 16, 24. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, and what? Healthy for the body. Power in your mouth. There's power in your tongue. I do this with young people all the time, trying to teach them about the understanding of the power in our words. I'll simply write a letter. I'll bring somebody on stage, like if I'm speaking at a camp, I'll write a letter and say, oh my goodness, you are so smart. You are so beautiful. You are so talented. You are the best. I I see so much potential in you. Fold it up and give it to them. This is for you, and I believe that to be true. And they walk off the stage. Man, they feel good. It's made their day. Man, the, the, the speaker brought me up on stage and everybody saw that I'm gifted and talented and all this. Then I bring somebody else on stage. And by the way, I've already prepped this kid. I bring him up on stage and I say, man, you suck. You are ugly. Man, your mama hit you with an ugly stick when you were born. And I start, honestly, even after I prep the kid, I start to see him like, oh, dude. And the whole audience is like, hey, they're getting mad at me. And I'm just using words. I haven't touched the kid. Words matter. We have the ability to speak life or death. Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. If you want to be heard, speak words of life, speak the truth, but do it in love. Love means compassion, kindness, consideration, Strive to understand and understand their perspective. As I've said, as I've said, and I want to say this, bring it back to our, can we bring the list back up? You're not persuasive if you're abrasive. It's never persuasive with abrasive. You'll never persuade somebody to understand the truth if you're abrasive. AJ, come on up here, bro. 
I ran a little long on time, but I wanted you guys to get something that was so practical. These five points should practically help you stand for righteousness. When your values and beliefs and your convictions are challenged, you can stand for righteousness. But there's a way to do it that honors God, honors Jesus Christ. And as we close, I'm gonna gonna encourage us to pray. Listen, I said this last week, you're not in this alone. Jesus is with you. And he said, I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit that will be a counselor to you, an advocate for you. And we have God's word full of his promises, full of practicality that we can study, learn, and know how to live a life above the chaos. Because that's what a life unshaken is about. Can we close in prayer? God in heaven, thank you so much for your word that teaches us and instructs us in practical ways. Lord, we're thankful for dads today, even the imperfect dads that taught us even in their imperfect ways how to live life. Even through their failings, Lord God, we can learn how to live life. My failings, Lord God, I've learned how to live. We thank you that you are a perfect father and we can look to your word and learn how to live a a good life. So Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that we take this word, it's sown like good seed and good soil and that it would bear a harvest and we would learn how to live this life unshaken above chaos. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, check out our website at wearerefinery.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram at wearerefinery. God bless.